Hey everyone, and welcome back to Heading North. I'm your host, Nick, and this week is an episode that a lot of you were expecting last week as I had announced it. Uh, we did replace that due to some technical issues on my side. So uh, this week we're going to be talking with Nils over at Duluth Gear Exchange. How are you today, Nils? Doing great. How are you, Nick? I'm doing good, man. Really enjoying the uh, finally staying above 70-degree weather here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It feels like a lot warmer than that, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. So this is my second year in Duluth. Are you from Duluth area? Yeah, uh, I grew up 20 miles north of here. Okay, awesome. So what, more like uh, Two Harbors kind of area? Yep, yep, exactly. Awesome. So the, most of you Minnesotans and uh, a few of you uh, northern uh, neighbors in Ontario know where I'm talking about. The rest of you guys, that's uh, almost even farther than you can go north than Duluth is. So um, that's awesome. So obviously being in Duluth and being in the greater Duluth area, it's an outdoorsy playground. What are your kind of outdoor recreations that you really like to enjoy? Yeah, this is a just tremendous landscape for all sorts of different activities. Um you know, tried and true, uh, a paddler at heart. I love, uh, I grew up canoeing and, um, and worked at a canoe outfitter, uh, through college and after college and, uh, in the boundary waters. And, um, and then I became a kayak guide at some point and, uh, I never thought I would like having my legs stuck in one place for a long period of time, but there are some advantages, especially being on Lake Superior here. So, um, yeah, so canoeing, kayaking, and then recently I've, I've gotten kind of dabbled into the mountain biking scene. So, um, just, uh, start getting started in that, but, uh, really loving it, especially in Duluth. Yeah. That was one of the first things I noticed coming out here and finding hiking trails is the abundance of mountain biking, uh, trails available. And I've yet to bite the bullet and spend the uh, the house mortgage on a mountain bike, but um, <laughs> totally <laughs> definitely seems yeah. like a good time around here. I mean, I would I would say almost you know hundreds, if not getting close to thousands of miles of mountain biking trails to the point where a lot of times I'll be on a hike and realize I'm on the wrong trail. Yeah, well, and there's tons of multi-use too, so um, that's a, a great thing. I mean, uh, sometimes you're crossing paths with hikers and vice versa, but uh, it's just great to have our trails so heavily utilized. And and really well-maintained, too. Tons of support, tons of volunteer hours going to that. It's it's really tremendous. Awesome. So what's your favorite trail in the area? Well, I'm um, on the east end of uh, Duluth, and uh, so 10-minute bike ride from Lester Park, which is just beautiful. Uh and a uh, very flowy trail system for me somebody who's kind of getting into uh mountain biking uh it's it's a great level of difficulty and uh i just enjoy getting laps in and um getting that fresh air so um i did get a fat bike this winter as well and uh so i've been trying to bike year round that can be challenging with uh the the seasons that we and the variations that we see here in Duluth, but uh, but it's a great place to do that. How would you compare the uh, the fat tire mountain bike to your your normal mountain bike? Yeah, it's really a different game, isn't it? It's like uh, tons of a lot of work, a lot of effort for kind of the same thrill, or maybe some would argue less thrill. <laughs> but I really like it because, especially you know, I I'm not an avid uh, or expert mountain biker. And so fat biking is nice because you can 
hit the same trails you you can do black diamonds you know you just roll over everything so yeah. uh it makes it makes even difficult trails a little more flowy and, and doable and manageable well, that's really awesome i i, I think i i've grown an interest in the fat tires just because we're so locked in snow for so long that yeah. as i'm trying to hunt for um new winter activities it seems like that'd be a really good pathway and then it also could be used all four seasons so it seems like a, a pretty neat option so i've seen a lot of um canoe paddling stuff at your shop i've seen a lot of biking uh, stuff at your shop and obviously we're talking about the outdoors so why don't you tell us a little bit about duluth gear exchange yeah yeah totally uh i did not start the business uh two gals named brooke wetmore and um emily um richie they started the business uh in the fall of 2019 and uh you can imagine it got a little difficult there <laughs> uh through covid but they they hung in there and stayed strong and the duluth community was really enthusiastic about it so anyway it's a outdoor gear consignment shop uh, we sell gear and clothing on consignment all uh, used and we have 2000 over 2800 consigners now which is great you know business is uh less than four years old and there's a ton of community support and actually we have consigners from all over the country you know even people passing through dropping stuff off we can mail a check anywhere so yeah so that's uh kind of the nuts and bolts of it and yeah like i said the community really loves it uh it's a place you can drop stuff off get a little money back a lot of people opt for uh, payout in the form of store credit so they can use that money to buy a size up rain jacket for their kid or uh, or buy that new boat they were thinking about or, or uh, yeah, a new bike, anything. No, the shop itself is really cool. I uh, When I first moved out here was actually at the tail end of the COVID restrictions. Everything was kind of opened up even for states like Connecticut and, uh, and Minnesota where things were a little bit more cracked down. Um, and I, I actually lived on East Side. I lived lived on uh, East Fifth, and so I kind of stayed to that part of the city for the bulk of my first year out here. And then I think I was actually covering one of the routes for one of my uh, my team members, and I started driving down Fourth Street, and I saw the shop. So it's it started kind of getting in my mind to to go in there. It looked really neat, and then going inside and seeing everything was, I think. An experience all in itself, not just seeing the really awesome, uh, which I love the blue color. Was that a the, did you guys put the blue color on the outside of the building, or was that the previous owner? Yeah, previous owner is kind of that green blue. I am also a big fan of that. Um, yeah, so stuck with that. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I love that color, and and like I was saying, the the selection inside is awesome. I think as of right now, in the year I've known about you guys and been in the shop. I think I have a seven mil hood for when I go paddling and surfing. <laughs> I've got multiple bike parts for both mine and my fiance's bike and probably countless outfits for myself and her son and, and my fiance. So it's definitely been fun shopping there. Now I've noticed too, you guys have a, like at least one or two local brands you guys sell out of the shop too. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Didn't want to make things too confusing, but yes, we do sell some uh, local maker items. The big, one of the biggest ones is uh, superior fleece which if you're familiar with Melanzana out of Leadville, Colorado, it's kind of a similar um, style, but at the same time, it's uh, very much its own thing. And uh, it's a local couple named Beck and Eben and uh, awesome folks. Yeah, they're a dynamic duo. They uh, not only have mastered the fleece 
but also uh, know how to build log cabins and uh, bounce back and forth between here and Wyoming. And they're always doing rad stuff. So uh, really cool folks. And then um, Romp Bags, uh, a local uh, bike bag brand, uh, fanny packs and uh, burrito bags for your handlebars, all sorts of cool stuff. That's the local guy, Zach Sullivan. A few other uh, odds and ends. It's fun to support those local people that are making awesome things, especially when it really fits with kind of the type of merchandise and inventory that we um, sell. Now, you said that you have people who kind of travel through the area and consign items. What, If you know this, what's the farthest out someone has consigned from? That's a great question. Uh, you know, sometimes... I, I remember I'm the one that sends all the checks, <laughs> so I, I do remember some of those addresses, especially when uh, different states or even different, you know, cities, counties sometimes have weird addresses, and, and sometimes it might be a military base or something, and uh, so sometimes, you know, it, it sticks out in my brain when I have to do some digging to figure out what exactly is this <laughs> place I'm sending a check. Certainly uh, East Coast. You know, some of the more regulars might even come from like Madison, Wisconsin, um, a couple times a year. But uh, folks are always coming and going, moving. And so it's uh, I often hear that a lot of people I talk to, they have a box in the basement or in the closet uh, of stuff they plan to bring to the gear exchange. And <laughs> they're just waiting till the box gets full. It's, it's just fun to uh, be a resource put a little money back in people's pockets, especially with outdoor gear and clothing that was not cheap in the first place. Often it's great to be an affordable resource uh, for people who are just getting into something or maybe want to upgrade and, uh, and at the same time, put money back in people's pocket. Yeah. When I, when I first moved out here, I uh, took a lot of time and I think anywhere I go, I kind of look at Facebook marketplace and see what people sell around the area and I very quickly realized that people here are in the business of outdoors, um, yep. just through and through. I mean, that's where I got my um, my road bike and a bunch of other gear. I think my first pair of um, snowshoes. So I feel like you're in this phenomenal market where the civilization that is Duluth is effectively just a giant REI co-op. So to have a place like yours that all of those things can start moving through hands and it's not just something that's in that box in the basement, something that's, you know, being sent back, they're making money off of getting cool other, you know, newer things and then giving that to other people, I think is just a really good concept and just a really awesome market to be in in Duluth to do that. Totally. Yeah, I would agree. You know, it, it's a, a city and yet a, a small community in some ways and um, highly saturated with folks who love doing outdoor stuff. Yeah, I actually worked at REI for a winter season down in Roseville, Minnesota, and I remember the regional rep coming through and we were just kind of a question and answer session. You know, I remember one of my coworkers asking, so are you guys thinking about um, opening up a shop in Duluth? And they said, no, not a big enough market for them. You know, their next goal was Omaha, Nebraska, which uh, I haven't followed up, but I'm sure they have one by now. And so that, you know, to me just indicates it's not the, the big city that uh, a large corporate outdoor retailer is looking for because we just, you know, don't have that big of a population um, for what they're looking for. But but for a shop like ours, it, uh, it's really great because um, word travels fast when uh, when you're involved in these outdoor activities. And so it, it really feels like a lot of people know about us. Yeah, I, I can definitely say that I recommend you guys every time someone 
hits me up asking if I know where to pick up a pair of swim boots or anything like that. I always say, well, check out Duluth Gear Exchange first, and then I'll give you a couple other recommendations. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, um, obviously, when we come back from a break here, we're going to talk a lot about camping because it is camping month. Uh, But that being said, we are going to take a quick second to hear a word from our sponsors. And welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for uh, listening to this week's ad read. And uh, if you guys are just joining us, we are talking all about uh, Duluth Gear Exchange with Nils, the owner of the local shop here that uh, does um, outdoor uh, consignment or outdoor equipment consignment. Um, And uh, but we kind of got through all that fun stuff. So if you haven't heard that stuff, make sure you go back and listen to the beginning of the episode. And uh, but specifically now we're going to talk all about camping, mostly because this month is camping month here at Heading North Podcast. So obviously, if we're going to do an interview, we got to ask some camping questions. My favorite thing to talk about when I talk with anyone camping is my favorite location growing up to go camping. I'm curious as to if you had any, you know, spot you guys either went to every year or just somewhere you really enjoyed going camping. As a kid, I did a lot of um, fishing with my dad, uh, especially this time of year in Minnesota. Fishing opener is about mid-May, usually Mother's Day weekend, ironically, and uh and so we would go to this to this lake. Obviously, I can't tell you the fishing my favorite fishing lake, but yeah, no. I can tell you <laughs> I can tell you uh, it's a great spot. About hour and a half, two hour drive from Duluth, uh, and fond memories fishing with my dad. And so that was you know kind of camper in the back of the pickup type of uh, camping out. And when I got into uh, college and after college, I uh, really have done a, a ton more backcountry stuff, tent camping, sleeping on the ground, hammock maybe. And, uh, and there's, you know, pros and cons to both, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep doing that while I'm young. What did you think of uh, hammock camping? I did, I by force used a hammock to camp on my second uh, half of uh, the AT, which luckily I did Sobu. So I was going towards warmer weather, but uh, what'd you think of uh, camping in the hammock? You know, what really got me into it when I was um, in college, I studied abroad for a semester in Brazil mm-hmm. and uh, hammocks or hedgies, they call them in, in Brazilian Portuguese, man, they're like a staple. In fact, most households in the bedrooms will have hedgy hooks built into the walls. You know, that's just a staple. And uh, when it's hot, you know, I was in kind of an equatorial region, mouth of the Amazon, a very different climate than Duluth, Minnesota. <laughs> so I was uh, I was sweating a lot, and so sleeping in a hammock was was quite nice. That kind of got me onto them. And then when I was working in the Boundary Waters, I uh, slept in the hammock for a whole summer. Kind of figured out what worked, what didn't. I, at some point, somebody told me what you need to do is sleep at an angle. Mm-hmm. Now maybe that's common knowledge at this point, but unless your hammock is really tight. Uh, and even if it is, it, it'll sag in the middle, right? So if you sleep at an angle head to toe, that, that really helps. And then throwing a sleeping pad in there, um, an inflatable sleeping pad. Well, now you're, you're, you're pretty much flat, hopefully. Uh, so I did once, um, hike up half dome, uh, in, uh, I think that was late April and camped in Little Yosemite Valley, can't remember, 4,000 feet or, or something, in late April in uh, Yosemite, and slept in a hammock. And the other folks that were camped thought I was just out of my mind. It's funny to me that the two places you probably camped the most with a hammock, uh, both probably required just the same amount of uh, bug repellent or some type of bug net. Because <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. northern Minnesota, you're just getting swarmed by mosquitoes, and 
I would assume down in a rainforest area, you're probably dealing with the same issue plus a lot of other poisonous stuff. That study abroad experience was kind of neat because actually I was with a, a host family for a lot of it in a, a pretty urban area. But we did an 18-day boat trip down um, tributaries of the Amazon River. And um, that boat trip, everybody, you know, there were 20, uh, I think 22 students. We all slept in hammocks every night and on this boat. And uh, a buddy and I even bunk hammocked ours, you know. And I'm forgetting now, but I'm sure that we had bug nets. You know, those are the ticket. And uh, when I was in the Boundary Waters um, working up there, I have a hammock that has a zip-in entry, you know, so bug net, I think a Grand Trunk uh, is the brand, but really love that thing. Nice. Yeah, I still haven't bit the bullet on a full uh, bug net hammock, just because I I think after 30, I'm like, well, am I going to sleep on that overnight again, (laughs) which I probably will, and then I'll regret not doing it. But that's been like my like argument in my head every time I go on and and, uh, look to buy one whenever I see a deal or anything like that. So would you say that hammock camping is your favorite form of camping or do you have a specific form like backpacking, car camping, hammock camping? Is there one that really you enjoy the most? Over the past few years, I would say I uh, hammock less. I think um, often I'm with friends or loved ones on trips. And uh, so I really like the community vibe of of a big tent. (laughs) Uh, Buddy and I um, uh, have kind of been outfitting our friend group so we just go halvesies on a lot of the gear and mm-hmm. then it benefits all of us and so we went with uh i think it's called the rei grand hut uh Ooh, yes grand okay hut six you're familiar with that so yep. 10, 10 by 10 foot and i am not a big tent guy especially because i do repairs on tents big repairing a big big tent not ideal, right? Because you got so much material, so many things that can go wrong, so many areas that can, you know, develop holes or scrapes. All in all, I'm all about simple. But in this case, you know, 10 by 10 foot uh, footprint, and then it's six foot six in the middle. Uh, wow. Height. Yeah. So it's like, man, you're camping in the lap of luxury in that thing. I would never bring this hiking. I will say that. But uh, for for canoeing or kayaking, it's a great tent, especially with a larger group. So, yeah, that's usually what I'm sleeping in these days uh, if I'm with friends. But, yeah, certainly not afraid to, to break out the hammock again. So I, I'm kind of happy you brought up tent repairs. I'm, I'm curious as to if you have any tips that would uh, help others kind of help the longevity of their tent. Or is that kind of like some type of trade secret that doesn't help job security if I ask you that? No, no, definitely. Yeah. So we talked about the consignment side of the Duluth Gear Exchange. The other side of it is there's a little lofted space in the back of the shop where I have a a sewing repair area. I learned how to sew when I was um, working at actually another outdoor gear consignment shop in Minneapolis called Repair Lair. You know, honestly, never thought that job would lead to this, but uh, a few years later, Brooke and Emily opened up the Duluth Gear Exchange, or at the time, Great Lakes Gear Exchange. One thing led to another, moved back to Duluth, and um, they asked me if I wanted to buy it. So um, anyways, going back to uh, Repair Layer, that's where I learned how to sew from a lady named Nancy Ford. She's been in the industry for a very long time and uh, is a master of her craft, taught me how to replace zippers and jackets and tents and backpacks. 
um, patching, darning, all sorts of stuff, and specifically, you know, how to repair outdoor gear the right way. And so I've uh, added that to the the gear exchange here in Duluth. And uh, just last year, I think I did over 300 zipper repairs. So at some point, your zipper is going to fail. It just happens. And uh, luckily, uh, it's not always a big ordeal. I'd say probably 75% of the time when a zipper is not working properly, it's just because the slider, the part that moves up and down, is worn out. It, it is made out of a softer metal. And so I don't know how deep we want to go here in zippers, but <laughs> this is this could be a whole podcast episode on its own. Lots of lots of experience uh, with tents and uh, and problems with tents. Uh, one of the big things that I'm doing this time of year for folks is uh, replacing the shock cord in their tent poles. And that's the, the stretchy stuff that keeps your, your tent pole segments together. Often not an overly difficult thing to re- replace, but it does wear out over time. And particularly I've learned temperature sensitive. If, uh, if you're using your, your tent poles in uh, sub-zero temperatures, winter camping, it can often wear out to the point that it doesn't retract the way it normally does in warm temperatures. So that's one gotcha. thing I've I've, uh, I've I've been told. But um, as far as zippers go, they're a, a fragile thing. You know, manufacturers tend to have those big loops or pull tabs, which which you know they make it great to grab. However, you think about that little slider; it's 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 really designed to go one direction and the other. And then that pull tab, that big uh, fabric or or uh, nylon loop. It encourages you to pull a whole different direction that the, that the slider is not intending to go. So that's uh, one thing that I would encourage people to, to, to be mindful of is just being gentle. And it's tough. If the black flies or mosquitoes are out, you're just trying to get in and out as fast as possible. But the gentler you can be, the longer your uh, tent zipper is going to last. No, I can definitely see that. I, I think I always pull outwards, which is why now that I know you do gear uh, repair, <laughs> I will be dropping off three items. You'll see my name on them. Um, you'll probably <laughs> laugh because we just talked about the exact reason why all of them don't work. Yeah. Um, so this okay. is definitely interesting. Now, um, if any of my listeners uh, know one thing about me, it's that I love food, especially talking about food on the trail. So what would you say your favorite camping or trail meal is? One of my go-tos is uh, quinoa stir-fry. You know, you can throw whatever you want in it, but depending on where I am and what type of camping I'm doing, even a canned chicken, peanuts, peanut butter, soy sauce, peppers, onion, garlic, throw that all together and, and you're bound to not disappoint. Nice. Yeah, I'm uh, simple. I, I think it's just from being in Scouts for so long, doing the beef and veggie uh, tin foil dinner. That if as long as I'm not doing a through hike or an overnight uh, backpacking camping trip, um, that's my go-to. I'll bring all the fixins and we'll make four or five of them, throw them in the fire, let them let them roast right down, totally. and that's that's definitely my favorite. Well, Nils, thank you so much for coming on. I, I definitely appreciate talking to you. I think we're gonna have to do a whole other spinoff episode on zippers um, and figure <laughs> out what the difference between YKK and all the other ones are. But that, yep. like we said, a whole other episode. Um, for the listeners out there, thank you again for listening to it, uh, the episode. As always, if you guys want to see more from Heading North, uh, make sure you go to headingnorthpodcast.com or you can find us on social media. Just search at Heading North Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, Nils, where can we find uh, more about you or uh, Duluth Gear Exchange? We're on Instagram and Facebook at Duluth Gear Exchange. 
You can check out our website, DuluthGearExchange.com. Got all sorts of information about consignment and repairs. And um, if you just want to shoot us an email and say, hey, I'd love to, to reach out and connect with you, um, DuluthGearExchange at gmail.com. And this week's episode's music is by Asylum Music and Media Works. If you guys want to support what it is I do here and support the show, you can go to headingnorthpodcast.com forward slash support, or you can follow us and leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. <laughs>